0: to the weekly podcast for City Chapel at Slaughter Creek, the world's okayest church right here in Austin. Get to know us better at citychapelchurch.com. We're so glad that you joined us today and hope you enjoy the message. Let's jump into the message today. We're, we're starting, last week we started a new sermon series called um, Like Arrows, uh like like arrows in the quiver i guess uh like arrows in the hands of a warrior and we're talking about parenting so this is from psalm 127 we're going to read the whole psalm today Uh, it's only five i think five verses long it's not long Um, but this psalm really paints a beautiful picture of of family and god's design for family and we're doing this sermon series on parenting even though i realize that not everybody here is a parent but the truth is um god is a parent he is our father so all of us need to understand him better and so if nothing else you're going to learn about god today uh isn't that cool you come to church learn about god i think that's pretty cool uh that's what it's supposed to be uh supposed to learn something but but also if you are a parent or even if you are somebody like a, a ceo or a manager within within your company if you're somebody who leads or teaches or or guides people if if you are influencing others which almost everybody here in this room, unless you're a hermit, unless you're you're closed off to yourself, you are influencing someone in your life. And the truth is we want to influence them in the best way possible. We wanna influence them toward God, toward peace, toward reconciliation, toward a God of love. That's what we want to do. And so I am speaking to parents, especially over the next um, four or five weeks, we'll be speaking to parents. Um, And some of you aren't parents right now, but you might be in the future. And so you might wanna take some notes. Uh, it's amazing, man. Like if, uh, if, if, you're, if, you, if you do anything, you will prepare for it. But for some reason with parenting, we spend like way more time preparing for pushing the baby out, like the birth, than we do for actually like parenting the child after he or she comes out. We, you know, we go to Le Mans class, we learn how to breathe, and uh, we spend, we read, you know, books about it. But man, when it comes to parenting, I mean, very few of us pursue knowledge and wisdom when it comes to parenting. It's amazing. It's the one, one of the most important jobs of your life, the most important thing you'll ever do. And yet, how many books have you read on it? How many seminars have you been to about it? How many YouTube videos, instructional Christian YouTube videos have you tried to watch about it? It's interesting. It's just one of those things that we just don't spend a lot of, we don't invest a lot of time or money into in our culture. So for the next five weeks, I want to invest some time into the families of City Chapel and into the young couples of City Chapel and even into the older couples and older singles of City Chapel because because some of you all, you have kids and they're grown, they're out of the house, but your influence is not over. You have not ended your influence. You are still able to influence your adult children, your grandchildren, right? You're able to influence them toward God. And so that's what we want to talk about. How do we do that? Because in Psalm 127, it starts with these words, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. This is talking about a family. The house is the family. Unless the Lord is involved in the building of my house and your house, then then the ones who are building it, me, my wife, it doesn't matter who it may be, we are building it in vain we're building a house of cards that as soon as the winds of culture as soon as the winds of change as soon as the winds of adversity hits us it'll fall apart and everything that we've built will fall apart and so that's that's all we want to do we want to build a house with the lord we want the lord to build our house unless the lord builds the house they labor in vain who build it unless the lord watches over the city the guards stand and watch in vain. And in other words, not only is God essential to a, to a healthy family, he's essential to a healthy nation. And so if a nation builds up itself and all of its defenses, it can build a wall however high it wants to build it. It can create social services however much it wants to create. But if it's not being built by the Lord, it is in vain. And we've seen this time and time again. And so a nation that prioritizes God is a nation that is safe. In vain, he says, you rise early and stay up late. (laughs) Come on, parents, rise early and stay. You're burning the, the candle at both ends, and it's not working. You're spinning your wheels. And you're toiling, he says, for food to eat. In other words, for the basic necessities of life. You're toiling for the basic necessities. And this is what he says, that all of that is in vain if you're doing it on your own. And he says, here's why. Because God grants sleep to those he loves. God grants rest. God is the one who gives peace. God is the one who gives success. God is the one who gives Wisdom, God, all these things come from the Lord. And then in verse three, there's a change. He says, children are a heritage from the Lord. He's talking about things that God gives, right? Children are one of those things that God gives. It's a heritage from the Lord. Offspring are a reward from him. And this is our main verse, verse four, like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver, that's the, the holder of the arrows, is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in court. In other words, God sees our children like arrows. We can go back to that verse 4, uh, that the children are like, uh, like, like arrows in the hands of a warrior, are children uh, of one's youth. God sees children as arrows, and that's why I have this arrow up here. I'll probably have this the whole, the whole time. We're talking about arrows. Now, arrows, these, these are weapons, And I know we're not fighting against people, we're not fighting against governments, but we are fighting against the darkness, darkness that is encroaching upon us. We're fighting against fear, we're fighting against depression, we're fighting against addiction, we're fighting against the darkness. And and the greatest weapon that we have against darkness is our kids. The greatest weapon we have to influence the world for Jesus is the very uh, kids that we have within our home. So if you want to make a huge difference, go home and, and invest in your kids. If you want to make a huge difference, this is why this is the most important role that we have. You have several roles. God's calling us to influence several people. But God says that, that, that children are like arrows in the hands of a warrior. And this is something that really stuck out to me this week. Uh, they're like arrows, and that's usually where we focus, and that is where I'm focusing, this sermon series. But I just want to point out this right here, in the hands of a warrior. So God sees children like arrows, and God sees parents as... Yeah, yeah, God sees parents as, shout it out. Nice. Yeah, God sees parents as warriors. And so, man, so next Sunday is Mother's Day. We're going to be honoring some mothers who are warriors. We're going to honor mothers who are fighters because this is how God sees parents. Like children, children are like arrows in the hands of a warrior. This this week I was was praying about this. I was praying for uh, some people in our church because they're going through some hard times and it looks like perhaps their children may not have uh, one of their uncles in their life. For a time, and and that's and that's difficult because my children is missing out on the influence and the benefit of having this person in their life, and that, that is that's just true, and that's the reality for many of us. And and I was praying about that, and the Lord just just dropped in my spirit this 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 quote that's very modern but very false. And uh, I know Oprah used to say it all the time back when she was on daytime television. Uh, she would say, "It takes a village." That's what she would say. It takes a village to raise a kid it takes a village the the concept is that it takes an entire community to really raise well-rounded healthy individuals and yet scripture says like arrows in the hands of a village no wait a minute like arrows in the hands of an army no this is warrior single a single warrior in other words you might be a single mom today and you have everything that you need to raise up your kids exactly the way that God has called you to raise them. You might be a single dad. You might, you, you, you like, it doesn't, they may have lost their uncle, but they haven't lost their purpose because it doesn't take a village in God's book. It does not take a village. Now, I know in a more socialistic society, it does because they want the village to contribute to your, they want the school system to tell your kids and to teach your kids, and to train them, and yet scripture gives us zero zero influence of our culture. Scripture never relies on anything outside of the home. In other words, God thinks that you and your spouse, if you have a spouse, if you don't have a spouse, God thinks just you. You are capable of taking that arrow by the hand, raising it up, uh, what did we say? Take it, uh, shape it, sharpen it, balance it with the feathers, and release it into its destiny. God thinks you're capable of that. It doesn't take a village, it takes a warrior. But it does take a warrior, not a wimp. It does take a warrior, not a quitter. It takes a warrior, not somebody who the first time they fail, say, ah, I guess it's not going to work. I guess I just can't. It takes a warrior. Warriors, even if they have to start over, they'll start over. Warriors, even if it costs them personally, they'll pay the price. Warriors are ready to fight. It takes a fighter. Real parenting, God-given parenting doesn't even take, I don't know about you, I'm thankful he didn't say it takes a professor. (laughs) like arrows in the hands of a really smart person i'm thankful it doesn't even take brains (laughs) some of you all should be real thankful for that maybe maybe it's just me but i'm just saying you ought to you ought to thank the lord it doesn't take intelligence or iq it doesn't take it doesn't take education it doesn't take culture it doesn't take a particular skin color or a particular level of privilege it takes a fighter and fighters aren't always the smartest tools in the shed. They're not always the sharpest tool. You know, they're not always the best at algebra and arithmetic. They're, they're not always well-educated. But I'm just, I'm just saying that they always get back up and they keep fighting. That's what it takes. And so I want to encourage some of you, because last week I know I preached the, the, the first installment of this message, and some of you may have got a little bit discouraged because you thought, oh my goodness, that's what God wants from parents. That's not me. Well, I pray the, the heart of a warrior rise up inside of you and say, even if that's not me, by God's grace, that can be me because I'm gonna keep fighting for the destiny of my kids. My kids are worth the fight. Their future is worth the fight. Their character is worth the fight. Their future wedding and marriage is worth the effort. This is what warriors do. They don't stand at the bottom of a mountain and say, well, that's just too hard. They don't. They say, well, I, don't, I, I may not even have the resources, but I am not going to quit. I may be short on resources, but I'm going to climb that mountain. If you're driving here to church today, uh, just along 1626, before you get to the, the railroad track, there's a sign that somebody put out there in the grass. And I don't know why they put it there, but it says, it says if you believe that you can, you're halfway there. I don't know did you, guys, you guys see that as you're coming up. I see it like every day when I'm coming to the church, and it's this little sign. If you believe you can, you're halfway there, and that's so true. The heart of a warrior says, you know what? I believe that with God, I can do this, and that's so important, but honestly, most of this sermon series, though, is not going to be motivating you to believe that you can. Most of this sermon series is going to be equipping you, after you believe that you can, equipping you to actually do it. Because I was reading that the other day, and I was like, yeah, if you believe you can, you're halfway there. And getting halfway there, <laughs> it's not good. My, my wife is going to New Zealand tomorrow. She flies out tomorrow. She's going to fly from Austin over to L.A., and then she has like a 13-hour flight from L.A. to Auckland. And if she gets on the flight and they say, guess what, guys? We can guarantee that we're going to get halfway there. We have enough fuel to get halfway there. After that, I don't know. We'll, we'll see how it works out. We'll play it by ear. She's going to get off the plane. Because you're better to not get on a plane that's going halfway to New Zealand than a plane. Like, like you know, like, okay, guys, we're going to send our astronauts to the moon. We have enough wisdom and technology to get them halfway there. Once they get halfway there, we're going to figure out how to get them back, right? No, that was the Apollo 13 all over again. Like, this is not good. That was not a success, okay? Like, there's some things that, man, you, you get halfway there, and you might as well, you, you wish you hadn't even got halfway there. And so honestly, the great question is, okay, if you have the motivation and the belief to get halfway there, do you have the wisdom and the determination to go the other half of the way? And so many of our parents, we are, we're, 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 we're ready, we're gung-ho, right? We have a baby and it's like, oh yeah, and we get halfway there. <laughs> our kids are halfway obedient. They have a half amount of character. They have a half self-esteem. They feel half loved. and and cherished, they they, they, they realize half of their purpose in life. (laughs) Man, let me tell you, half, I mean, if you get half the ingredients in my really good chocolate chip cookies, you do not have a good chocolate chip cookie. They're no longer good chocolate chip cookies. You, that you, God, so, 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 so the determination, the belief to get halfway there, I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm a little red today and sunburned because I'm coaching my son's nine and 10 year old flag football team. We've lost the past three games in a row. We're not doing too good. And uh, I'm not exactly the most motivational coach, I guess. And so, I, like we get in the huddle and all of, my, all of my little nine and 10 year old boys, they're like, oh, get me the ball, get me the ball, get me the ball, get me the ball, throw the ball to me, coach. Have them pass to me, coach. Can I be the quarterback, coach? And all this stuff. And it's like, and I, I finally turned to them and told I said, look, you are not short of opportunities. You're short of preparation. Because the last two passes, you dropped. Why am I gonna have the quarterback throw to you again? You're literally, you're dropping the bat. Like, that, this is in your title of a receiver. Like, that's exactly what you do. You receive the ball. Like, one of our drives ended because the kid dropped two in a row. And, and I got in the huddle and I said, guys, what's that thing we're supposed to do when, when the quarterback throws the ball to us and it hits us in our chest, right in our hands? What's that thing we're supposed to do? And the one of the kids was like, I don't know. And I'm like, oh my gosh, yes, you don't know. And the other kid, the kid who dropped, he's like, catch it. I was like, yes, that's it. And until that, I don't hear no complaining about, get me the ball, coach, help me get the ball. I want to have the ball. No, man, you're not, you're not short of opportunities. Like, they got all the confidence in the world in zero preparation. <laughs> so I'm told them, hey, go home. Have your dad throw you the ball. Work at it. This is it, and this is it. I'm showing them all these moves. And do it until it's routine, until it's rote, until you do it in your sleep. Then we'll throw you the ball. We have like two or three of our kids. They obviously practice a lot, and they're, they're ready to go right? And, and, and still, at least these kids, they come out on Tuesday night. We have Tuesday night practices, and we go there, We go through drills for an hour, and they are getting a little bit better, but, you know, the season's short, and they're just not enough better. But the truth is, I was telling Roe, I'm like, babe, actually, these kids probably invest more time in their little flag football league than Christian parents invest in their parenting. Because I don't know if every Tuesday night for an hour, if they're sitting down saying, how can I be a better parent? <laughs> And so these little nine and 10 year olds, they're more gung ho about this flag football thing and they're struggling. And in many ways, we're not good, but they keep trying. And that's, that, that's why I told them, I said, guys, look, I'm proud of you because even though you get knocked down, your attitude is staying good. You're continuing to try, you're getting back up again. And that's what it takes until you get good enough to actually see the results of your great practice. You just got to keep getting back up again. So I want to encourage you, confidence will get you halfway there. So high five, I can do this. But now, wisdom, determination will get you the rest of the way. And so it's going to take some wisdom, and wisdom comes from God. This isn't on you, this isn't on me, this isn't on us figuring things out. This is on the Holy Spirit. It's on us allowing the Holy Spirit to work inside of us what he wants to do. And so one, one, one thing that you're going to hear a lot over the next few weeks is that we parent, we believe that we ought to parent. And I, I say, me and my wife, we try. I'm not saying we always live up to this, but this is our goal. We want to parent our kids the way God parents us, right? We want to, fa- I, I want to father my children the way God fathers me because God is a father. And so, and so when we look at the analogy of the, of, the, of the arrow, the first thing that the warrior would have to do to, to have an arrow, they didn't have Cabela's. They couldn't go down to Cabela's and buy an arrow. They had to go find an arrow, right? So if so, if there's a sermon title for today, it, it would be to take the arrow. So this is kind of week one installment. We need to take the the arrow. In other words, the warrior would go out into the woods, would look for a branch that is is growing, it's kind of straight, that's sturdy, that's strong. He's looking for a particular kind of branch, and when he finds it, he takes it and breaks it off of the tree that it's on, snaps it off, and takes it. He takes it with a purpose, and I'm going to talk about that here in a minute. He has an intended purpose. You need to have an intended purpose in your parenting. You need to have, where are we going with these kids? Uh, because otherwise you'll never get there if you don't have any idea. And so you need to have intended purpose, but also need to be able to take them and break them off of where they are naturally. And so just, uh, just to kind of break this down, this is the way God parents us. When you came to God, those of us that, that have come to God, that have trusted in him, first of all, I'll, I'll guarantee that when you came to God, your life was not perfect. I'll guarantee that you were not in the place where you needed to be, where you should be. In fact, you're probably not even in the place where you are right now. The reason is, as uh, what Billy Graham used to say, God loves you where you are, but he loves you too much to leave you there. So God receives us exactly as we are, all of our warts, all of our issues, all of our hangups, all of our addictions. He receives us and then he begins a breaking process. Anybody ever walked with God more than five minutes can testify. He begins a breaking process, breaking you away from your old habits, breaking you away from some of your old friends, breaking you away from your old addictions, breaking you away from your old way of thinking, breaking you away from your old way of entertaining yourself. The movies you used to watch, the music you used to listen to, the places you used to party, the stuff you used to drink, the ways that you used to, all of that starts breaking. Breaking. And, 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 and that can be a very scary time. Anybody walk through that and they're like, wait a minute, I came to God for the peace and love and understanding. I came to him, was, I thought he was going to fix my marriage. I thought he was going to make things better. And now all of a sudden it's like snap, snap, pop, snap. And I'm And I feel like I'm losing who I am. It's because you are. You are losing who you are because who you are is not who you're going to be. Who you are is not what God sees in you. God sees greatness inside of you. God sees a a straight, sharp, well-balanced arrow inside of you. God sees potential destiny inside of you. And where he found you, that destiny wasn't there. And if he leaves you there, he cannot put you on mission that he has planned for you. And so he takes us, and in order to bring peace into our life, he has to first break us away from where he found us. Because scripture says that we are all born away from God. We're all born sinners. We're all born, Scripture says we're born in sin. And you say, well, how can a baby have sin? Babies don't make decisions. Well, no, they don't choose sin. They're born in sin, an internal uh, sin nature inside of us that causes us to do what is wrong, that pushes us toward the darkness, that makes us grow like a wild branch, all squiggly and crooked and, 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 and turned in on itself so this is what uh the back back when we first had madden she's our oldest and like she was just she was just little and um she was an angel right she came out just a sweet little angel i remember as soon as as soon as they put the as soon as the midwife put her on uh Rose's stomach you know i reached my finger out and she reached over and grabbed my finger and it's just beautiful this little this is our first baby and she's an angel and i remember the first time she did something naughty as Rose says, that's Rose' word, naughty. So the first time she did something bad, the first time she like looked at mom and was like, no, you know, I like guess like the first word they learn is no. I don't, I don't know if you guys, but it's like, it's, it's either data or no. And those two kind of go together. So it's like, you know, do you want more vegetables, Madden? No it's time to leave the park. No. Like the first time she just like, you like know, ripped out, like, we're always so shocked. She was just couldn't believe that the sweet little angel would like be so aggressive, right? And, 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 and so she was talking to me about it and I said, babe, we have to, you have to remember, Madden is not a Christian. Just because you're born in a Christian home does not mean you are born a Christian. Scripture says that we are all born far from God. Madden's a little pagan. <laughs> and I mean that in the, the kindest sense of the term. I mean, I love her to death, but she is lost. She is far from God. Basically, to be a parent, guys, is to be a missionary. Missionaries leave their their, their comfort zone. They go into a foreign place. They learn a foreign language with foreign customs. They make friendships with people who don't think like them, dress like them, talk like them, believe like them, all for the purpose of sharing the gospel with them. That's what it is to be a parent. You, you, you don't go to a foreign place. Foreigners come into your home. They sit on your couch. They eat your food. <laughs> they draw on your walls. They paint in your bathtub. I mean, who knows what they do? I don't know. They, 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 they poop on your floor. Like, it's like they, these, these, these little pagans, man. But they don't believe like you. They might look like you, but they do not think like you. They do not believe like you. They do not, they don't even necessarily believe that God exists. They don't have your values. They don't have your morals. They came from you, but they are not like you. They are like you were when you were born. They're like you were when God found you. So don't judge them (laughs) because you also were just like that right? And so, and until God found you and he took you and he broke you and he broke away and there's still some breaking going on. He's still working, right? And if he's still working, then it's not finished yet. So he's still doing that. And so what I had, what I, I told Ro, I said, babe, like, like our kids are not born like us. They don't believe like us. They don't share our values. They share our old values, our old life. That's who we were until God changed us. But God has now changed. I can't, I can't put those expectations on them. So my job is not to get them to act like a Christian, as a dad. My job is not to get the, hey, hey, hey we don't, that's not in our house. My job is not to get them to act like how, how I have come to become, because then it's just action. So my job as a parent, though, is to, to take them and to begin breaking them away from where I found them. Does that make sense? Some of you are like, uh, how, do, how, do, how do we do the breaking? It's this, it's this very unpopular word called authority. Called being in charge. And, 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 and it's unpopular, I think, because we don't understand the way that God exercises authority. Let me ask you, how did God break you away? Was it harsh? Was it brutal? Was it full of condemnation? Did he make you feel bad the whole time? Was it hopeful? Was it loving? Was it empowering? Yes. So God is the greatest authority. He's the king of all kings. That king is a dictator, an unelected official who takes charge over a particular area. That's who God is. So he is, I mean, you want to talk about authorities, that's God, but yet he's loving. He's kind. He's gentle. He is also a servant. So today I want to talk to you about authority. And in order to do that, I, 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 do have, I do have a slide that kind of shows some misuses of authority. And I just quickly want to look at one of the reasons why authority has such a bad rap is because it's been misused. And so the first misuse of authority is an authoritarian authority or a domineering authority or an abusive authority. And some of us came from homes where authority was not a safe thing. It was not a loving thing. It was not a kind thing. It was a heavy-handed thing where our parents were definitely out to break us and then break us and then <laughs> break us and so that we literally we didn't even know who we were. We were just a crumpled up broken up mess. Because that's what abusive authority will do. And I'm not even saying that they intended to. Sometimes they were just raising you the way that they were raised. They spent just as much investing in parenting skills as you have. <laughs> That's how much time they put into it. And they just, they just went along their journey. And they thought they were doing what was right. Because they saw you and they, they knew that you weren't, you weren't made to be like that. So they said, no, 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 you're not going to act like that. And so they began the breaking process. And, and yet in, in, an authoritarian authority or a domineering authority or a non-loving authority is brutal. It's very uh, abusive. It's very hurtful. Some ways in which, in, in, in which these domineering authorities can, can exhibit themselves is, is mainly being in charge means that I'm always right. Yes. Right? So you bring the kids in and say, guys, look, this is how it's going to be because I've decided it. Because I said so. This is how it's going to be. And basically, what it, 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 it presents this false idea of authority. This idea that if you're in charge, you're never, you never have to apologize. You never have to say you were sorry or that you were wrong. And you're, you're just always right. And if you're not right, well, you can sort it out when you leave the home. And, it, and it's this authoritarian. Authority means the privilege of always being right without the responsibility of actually being right. And so you, so you have these, these kids who grow up in these homes and then they leave the home, they grow up and they think that's authority and they become CEOs. And they say, well, because I'm in charge, what I say is right, you can't question me. Any questioning of me is a diversion from, from my authority. And so they're very insecure, very thin-skinned. They also become politicians. They also, <laughs> they also plant churches. They become pastors. And there's a regime. Well, the pastor said, so that's... So that's, that's the way that it is. And nobody can question the pastor. Nobody can ask him about the finances. No, because he's, he's right and he knows exactly what he's doing. And anything else is a, is, is, is a subversion of authority. And you have an abusive churches where there's spiritual abuse and a church hurt, where people were a part of a regime instead of a church. they were a part of an authoritarian authority who is there to make sure to break you off of all of your bad behavior and let you all know what the truth is. And I'm just gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm here to, to disseminate absolute truth. <laughs> but it starts in the home. It starts when we look at our kids. And, and, and we'll do this even like, like in simple ways. Like, you know, one of the things that I'm really gonna talk about starting next week is conversations, having sh- conversations that shape people, especially kids. But really, conversations that shape our coworkers, that shape anyone that we wanna have godly influence on. We're gonna talk about those conversations. But you can even enter those conversations, and if you have a wrong version of authority, like one of the things we always say is you need to ask your kids questions to figure out what's going on. (laughs) But if you're an authoritarian authority, you don't need to ask questions. Or you do ask a question, but it's not to learn something. It's to corner them. Right, like, what were you thinking? That's a question, but it's not really a question. How could you be so stupid? Not a question. What's wrong with you? Not a question. Where did you learn that? Not a question. These are all accusations disguised in questions to make it sound like I'm kind of interested, but if they give an answer that is not what you already thought, they're wrong. Well, I, 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 because the classic answer that kids will always give is, I don't know. That's the greatest answer to me. Why did you do that? I don't know. Why did you say that? I don't know. Why did you hit your brother? I don't know, right? And and the truth is because they don't know. Like, like right after you get done with road rage and somebody comes up and says, so, so why did you, why did you, why did you raise that particular finger at that particular driver? Why, Why did you do that? You don't know. You literally don't know. You were just mad. Like, that's all you know because they cut you off, because, no, so, and so, they, and, so, and so, so, to truly walk with people, and this isn't just with kids, we need to actually understand them, and an authoritarian authority would, will not take the time to understand, because they've already figured it out, because they know what you're thinking, <laughs> apparently, they know what you're feeling, they know what's on the inside of you, and they've already decided Right, And that's, that's, that, that's that heavy-handed authority. It's not coming to learn. It's not coming to serve. Jesus talked about this in Matthew chapter 20. We should have this on the screen. He said, look, the, 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 and he's talking to his disciples. He said, uh, the Gentiles, he said, you know that rulers in this world lord it over their people and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But in verse 26, he says, among you, it, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant.'" So, like, Roe's big dream, someday, if we ever win the lottery, which you have to play the lottery to win, so I guess we're not going to do that, but if, so if one of you all win the lottery and tie the billion dollars to City Chapel and the city, and, 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 and the elders decide to give us a little bit of a raise, the one thing that we'll do, apparently, according to Roe, is we will hire, like, a, a full-time chef. We'll hire. We'll build a little mini house for them to live next to us, and they'll, they'll cook us breakfast, lunch, and dinner. That's what, that, what Roe wants, like, for for her life, you know? For me, I just want a fast car, you know? That would be great. But for Ro, she wants a, a live-in chef, a, you know? A, a servant of sorts that you hire and you pay them a full-time wage and they cook for you and probably even clean, I don't know. But anyway, a, a maid who kinda, and so, but I mean, can you imagine this chef coming up and just, and just cooking us whatever he or she thinks we need? That's not a good servant. Right? You know, you look, Harry, you look like you need some vegetables. Here's some celery, you know? Okay, I'll put peanut butter on it. Which that's just, like, celery, by the way, is kind of tasteless. It's stringy, and it's just kind of gross. And then you add peanut butter to it. Just take a spoon and eat the peanut butter. I mean, literally, that's what I do. I don't bother with the celery. I just eat the peanut butter. But, you know, if this person just tells me what I need, instead of asking me what I need, like, it's not serving me. You're telling me what I need. And as parents, if we just come in and crash in and tell our kids, okay, this is what I've been thinking and this is your problem right here, this is it. Oh, thanks, I really appreciate that. That's heavy-handed authority. That's the kind of authority that, that makes people think that when you're in charge, one, you're always right, and two, you can give the orders without taking responsibility for the execution. You can say... It, and it starts in the home. And it's not just a parenting thing. The husband will say to the wife, I want dinner on the table at six o'clock when I get home. <laughs> <laughs> was that too specific? Was that too, was that, was, that, was that, I don't know. I don't, I just, anyway, okay. Yeah, yeah, do you say amen or oh me? I don't know, whatever you want. But no, like the, this, this, is, this is authoritarian authority where I express my needs to you. That's, that's the bulk of my communication. I tell you what I want, what I need. I rarely ask you what you need. I rarely ask you what you want. I tell you what I need. And I expect you to meet my needs. Yeah, this isn't the way that God does it. Right? God communicates his needs to us, absolutely. He speaks in his word, but he's never... I'll tell you what, I've been walking with Jesus since I was six. So 36 years now. And I can tell you, he's never once commanded me to do something that he has not also volunteered to step in and help me do. He's never said, Harry, get your act together, figure it out. He's never said, Harry, that's wrong. Stop doing that. Start doing this. And I'm going to sit up here in heaven and just hope you you, you report to me next week, Harry. Let me know how it went. He's never done that. He's always said, Harry, you're grieving me right here. You have to stop doing that. And I've said, Lord, I don't know how to stop doing that. And he said, I'll help you. I'll tell you where you start doing that before you actually start doing that. Because <laughs> you start two days beforehand. You, you start, and so God himself has always partnered with me in every one of my struggles, in every one of my sin, and every one of my stuff that's not sin, but he just wants me to improve upon. He always enables me. And so to say to your wife, look, I really want dinner on the table at six o'clock. I'm not saying that's even wrong. But the next statement should be, how can I help you do that? What change can I make so that we as a family can do this? Right? Because that's cause, uh, an authoritarian authority says, this is what I want. This is what I need. I need you to lay aside your stuff to do what I need. But a servant comes in and says, look, I do have needs. and I'm not going to pretend that I don't. But my greatest need is to meet your needs. So what do you need? And this, this, this can start between husband and wife. So I'm also, this is a parenting series also. It's a parenting, just kidding, it's not. It's, it's a parenting, it's a marriage. It's, I mean, it's, it's all of these relationships coming together because this weird thing of authority, it trickles down in, in churches and governments and in husbands and wives. And what happens is that then the wife isn't getting her, need met, her needs met or she's not feeling heard. So then she believes that being an authority means she can tell her kids what to do. So she'll set up in bed and play Candy Crush while her kids clean the house. Because being an authority means you can tell people what, you, what to do and they can meet your needs. And the kids grew up thinking that that's authority and then they go out into the world and they try to get that because that sounds pretty awesome. But they get it and it doesn't make them happy. Because Jesus said, look, this is how the Gentiles do it and they're miserable. They're suicidal. They're, 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 they're having to escape into various addictions and things just to live with themselves. He said, but for you guys, I want you to live in peace. And the best way to live in peace and joy is to serve one another. The, the greater the authority, the greater the servant. And so I serve my wife. I serve my kids. I try. <laughs> I try. That's the goal, right? And, by, and God comes in and helps me. Helps me be a servant. Because I'm, 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 I'm naturally terrible at this. I am naturally really good at expressing what I need. <laughs> I'm naturally really good at that. I'm terrible at thinking about other people. Cause I'm like my kids, born far away from God. I'm naturally selfish. I'm naturally, like you, you, you never have to teach your kids how to be selfish. You never have to teach them how to steal. You never have to teach them how to lie. As soon as they learn the word no, you know? Did you eat that cookie? No. Hmm, so all the crumbs, all of your face and the chocolate everywhere. That's just, that's not, that's not like, that's not the cookie no I'm like man yeah hmm. you need to get better at this lying thing you're terrible at it you're right because but 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 so, so we're bad at the skill at first but the heart is there the heart to blame our brother or sister for any and everything the heart to deny everything and make counter accusations that's totally there and it's in us, and it's in our kids, and so we need to help them by helping to break them away from that, and not in a way that is, that is, that crushes them, not in an authoritarian way, and this is kind of how I started out parenting, by the way, when, whenever uh, Madden, Madden was young, I mean, I was just like, well, these are the rules of the house, and if you don't follow the rules, then, uh, you know, you get executed, like, that's just kind of how it, how it works, you know, it's capital punishment, like, it's, this is, this is my, my idea. And, I, and I, I didn't think I was mean about it. I did, I just, this is just black and white. And I, and I found that there was a better way. There was a way to serve. I found that I wasn't doing much serving. I was doing a lot of talking. <laughs> I was doing a lot of instructing. I told my kids what was right and wrong. Good for you. Did you serve them? Because if all you do is just tell them stuff, Right? Then they get 18, and then they have their own mind, and then they do whatever they want to do. And so what I found is that God wanted me to be a servant of my wife and a servant of my kids. And so not authoritarian, but also the, the other misuse is, is an absent authority. Because right? many of us kind of grew up in that situation, and we decided, oh, hey, I think all authority is pretty much bad. So I'm going to be my kid's best friend. Uh, they're going to like me. Or, 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 or like what I've heard is like I'm going to be what I wanted when I was a kid. I'm going to be the parent I wanted when I was a kid, (laughs) which is a terrible idea, so you, so let me get this straight, you're getting your, your, your parenting advice from a nine-year-old you, just a nine-year-old anybody probably is not a good idea to get your parenting advice from, and so, but that's what we try to recreate, we feel like we needed somebody who understood us, who heard us, and so that's what I'm going to be. And in so doing, we throw the baby out with the bathwater and we we don't even bother breaking our kids away from their natural bent. We just try affirming them into a better place. You're awesome. You're amazing. You're you're beautiful just the way you are. Everything you say is brilliant. (laughs) And then they join my flag football team. And I let them know that, no, you can't catch. You're terrible at catching. You need to go work on that. Like, you can be good at some point, but you currently are not, right? But somebody, somebody's tell these kids the truth, man. I don't know. What to, no, I'm kidding. These parents, they probably do tell them. But uh, I'm, I'm just saying, like, in this, in this over-affirmative uh, society, it's almost like we're against all authority. We're against all attachments. We're against all obligations. And we, we, we're against the institution of the church, organized religion. I'm against organized religion. Well, one, you're very welcome at City Chapel then, because our level of organization is not entirely high. But two, why organized? What's the issue with that? Oh, you mean you're against church. You're against accountability. You're against somebody holding you to a standard and checking in on you. You're against being known, because you have equated authority with Oppression. You've equated authority with subjugation. You've equated authority with something that's mean and mean spirited, and it's not. Good authority is not that way. And what happens is, I was reading, uh, there's this guy here in Austin, he's not a Christian, but he's, he's, a, he's just a brilliant mind, and, and he was talking about just this, uh, he didn't know it, but he was talking, this is years ago, he's talking about deconstruction, what is now labeled deconstruction. People, you know, deconstructing, getting rid, I don't know if you heard about the term, but people kind of shedding all of the construction of religion that they've had for the past 30 years or whatever, and coming into a new light of freedom and, and liberty, um, which is terrible. It really is terrible. I mean, if, if, if I came home one day from the church and Ro decided to deconstruct our house, you know, she's over there pulling the, the siding off and getting rid of the insulation, I would say, babe, what are you doing? You're destroying our house. No, I'm not destroying it. I'm deconstructing. Yeah, I'm sorry. That's called destruction. That's destroying. Literally, people are destroying themselves, Because they are breaking away from all attachments and they are saying freedom is to have no attachments that's not freedom right if 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 Cassie were to release her lovely dogs into the wild and release them of all attachments she'd take them out to the woods throw them out of the car drive back to her apartment do you think they would be happy They would be like, oh, this is great. Now I can go get my own food instead of eating all the lovely stuff Cassie's been giving me. Now I can pet myself instead of being petted by Cassie 24-7. Now I can sleep by myself in the cold, out in the woods with wolves. This is lovely. No, a dog that has no home is a stray. A dog that has no master is a stray. A dog that has no obligations and responsibilities is a stray. And they are not happy. They're hungry. <laughs> even strays, uh, uh, like there's places in Mexico I've gone where there's so many stray dogs will be there. They'll, they'll even start packing, and they'll have a leader. They'll just elect one of them will be the leader, because they have to feel secure enough to be under authority. And this is what happens. If we remove authority from our kids, our kids don't know where the boundary lines anymore, and that's not a safe place. Our kids don't know who's in charge, and that's not a safe place. And if you remove all authority from your life and you remove marriage, the institution of marriage, because that's shackling and that's binding and that's, oh, I need to get rid of that. And church, I need to get rid of that. And friends and family and parents, I need to stop honoring them. And you remove all of this stuff, you're going to end up like all the other deconstructed people, miserable, angry at the world, defensive ready to fight back ready to punch somebody out at the just just because they cut you off in traffic like all of this crazy stuff is coming from from a lack of connection a lack of obligation we are free when we are bound to each other this is where freedom comes from when we are bound to each other this is why the the covenant of marriage is so freeing because it binds me to my wife so why the covenant of parenting is so freeing for my kids. It binds them to me. They know whose they are. They know where they came from. They know my voice, and my voice is more powerful in their life than anybody else's voice. Me and their mom, our voices are powerful. Same is true with Cassie's dogs. They love being with Cassie. They won't go away from Cassie. And this is also our relationship with God. When we step out of authority from God, we don't become free. We become lost, astray. We go around looking for somebody else to follow and something else to believe in. Well, how about you reconstruct the thing you just tore apart? (laughs) Turn right back to God who's always been there for you, who is good, who is kind, who you can trust. And so we have authoritarian authority, we have absent authority. So ultimately what we want to be is we want to be a servant authority. We want to be an authority that serves our kids. So I'm going to talk especially next week about how we can create conversations that serves people, not, not just our kids. And by the way, if you're in a position of authority at your job, at your work, please don't reject both of these lies. The lie that 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 you have to be controlling to be in charge that's a lie and the lie that you have to let people go their own way to be in charge the lie that people have to like you all the time 24 7 that's a lie the truth is sometimes my kids (laughs) do not enjoy my leadership because the breaking process is not easy sometimes you do not enjoy your relationship with God because the breaking process is not easy but it's short, and it's gentle, and it's accurate. And this is what God wants from us. He doesn't want us to be smashing our kids up for the, the whole time they grow up. Nope, they don't, they don't stay in the breaking process. But man, I'm telling you, it's short. But once you, once you break away from that, and you embrace the God-given destiny over your life, wow, is it freeing. Those of you that have actually stayed in his hand long enough to realize that, you would testify that rain came, wind blew, and I'm going to make it through. You, you would testify that I'm safe with you because you, you saw that in your life. And it wasn't easy, and it wasn't, it wasn't delightful. <laughs> but man, when he broke me away from my way of doing things, when he broke me away from my way of thinking... That's where freedom was. That's where purpose was. And then he took me and he shaped me and he sharpened me and he balanced me and he released me into my destiny. And that's what I want for each and every one of you and each and every one of your kids. I want you warriors to rise up and take your kids and actually break them away from what's bad, what's toxic. Break them away from what's hurting them, what's killing them and release them into their God-given destiny. In order to do that, you have to see them. So the warrior in the woods, he's walking through the woods and he's looking for a particular kind of branch, a branch that has the potential that he desires. And this is my, just my, my final point that I would encourage you guys with your kids and really with everyone. You're a CEO, you manage people at work. Maybe you're the manager at Foot Locker. You got people working under you. You got people working with you as you walk through the forest of life, what if, what if you asked God, Lord, what is your purpose for that branch? What, what, why did you bring them into my life? Why am I in their life? What do you want to do with them? And especially with, with our kids, when we dedicated Baby Madden, which I think at the end of this, we ought to have some child dedications or something, or blessings, or praying over our kids. Uh, I really do feel that because there's something very biblical about dedicating your children to the Lord. Uh, We've done that with both of our kids. Madden was our first. And so we were at Promised Land San Marcos when that happened down in San Marcos. And uh, Pastor Robin called us up. And I didn't know what to expect, you know. I I mean, I had dedicated as a pastor several kids. And so I I knew that. But as a dad, I didn't know what to expect. Does that make sense? So Pastor Robin was the one doing the dedication. He got Madden. he's holding her. The church, and, uh, you know, and everybody prays over us. And as we were praying, the Lord gave me a, a word for Madden just in my mind. And this didn't, especially at that time, didn't happen all the time. I, and I wasn't always asking God, Lord, give me a word for them. Give me a word for them. Give me, I, I just wasn't doing it. And so, and I was so surprised I had this, this, this word from God for this like, you know, it was like three week old baby. I didn't know her. I didn't know her, 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 I didn't know anything about her. I just, she was just, just, she had two eyes, one nose, a mouth, a couple of ears. That's all I knew. I didn't know her. And yet God gave me a word for her. And so after service, I was like, babe, uh, I feel like God gave me a word for Madden. So we wrote it down. I put it in my phone, and we just saved it. Didn't tell anybody. Didn't tell anybody. We just, whatever. So then two and a half years later, Micah's born, and we're dedicating Micah. And the night before we dedicate Micah, I said, Lord, you know, you gave me a word for Madden last time. It would really be nice if you gave me a word for Micah because... That just wouldn't be fair if only Madden got a word, right? And so I said, Lord, as we pray, just speak something to me. Um, and so that time, the Lord didn't give me a specific word. He gave me a picture just as we prayed over Micah. And so I prayed about the picture until I finally was able to put that into a, a sentence. And I put the sentence in my phone, and I told, told, told Ro about it. We said, okay, great. And last year, right about this time, I was, praying about, um, I was praying about my kids. I was praying for my kids, which I would encourage you guys to do. If you have children, say, Lord, what are you doing in their lives? And the Lord reminded me of those words. And he said, Harry, now would be a good time for you to share those words with them. And so I'm a graphic design guy. I do all the graphic design stuff at City Chapel. So what I did is I went, uh, there's this online thing. You can, you can print like a foam board sort of thing. And um, so I took their words and I printed them up, up on these like three by three foam board things so they could hang it in their, in their rooms. And uh, it was kind of cool it was it, it, I ordered them it took like a few weeks and they, they came in on our last night of our camp meeting so on Tuesday night of camp meeting uh, is when they arrived they were on our on our porch when we got home from camp meeting and so it was kind of cool they had just uh, the the h fan team had been praying over my kids and it really lined up with what I God had said so it was just kind of this cool moment where I said hey guys okay like I know like because they were like oh is that for us and I'm like yes but it's not it's not a new PlayStation game or, you know, you know Nintendo Switch. It's just, it's just something that I want you to hang in your room and I wanna share with you. And so the next morning we opened it up and um, I actually have a picture of it, uh, of, of, of both of them, so the, both of them with their different, that was like, they've grown so much, but anyway, that was just like nine months ago, so um, that's, that's the picture, that's what the signs look like, and, and the words are specifically for them, not for you all, so you can take it down, so you all don't read it, um, but anyway, but that's just, that's just what it, that's just what it looked like, and, and, and I, I said, here you go, you can take this, put it in your bedroom, so that when you wake up in the morning, you can read it, when you're in your prayer time, in your room, you can read it, just, you're getting dressed, whatever you're doing, I want you to know that God has a purpose for your life. And I'm not saying that God tells me exactly what my kids are going to do, because God's going to speak to them about that. Hello. I think, is my battery bad or what? I don't know. Well, God's going to speak to them about that. But for me, I can, I, I can understand that there is a plan, and I can have a clue as to what that plan is. So this is my challenge to you guys as parents. Ask God, Lord, what is your plan for my kids? Not, not, maybe not all the specifics, but just what is your plan? Speak to me about that. Share that with me. Fathers in the room, mothers in the room, share that with me. Lord, I want to know what your plan is. And if you don't have kids, if you're, you know, Brenda, I know is in charge of several people. She leads several people professionally. She's watching online. Lord, why, why have you put these people in my life? What's your plan for that guy? What's your plan for that lady? what's your plan for this coworker here? I mean, is it, my cubicle's right next to theirs. Like, what's up with that? Or whatever. You know, I'm, I'm in the same Slack channel. Like, why, what is that? I'm even, I'm, I'm starting to ask that with just random things, right? Like I went to Verizon to, to get a new hotspot and I'm talking to the guy at Verizon. Lord, why, why this guy? Why, why, why did you set it up that he's working when I showed up and we talked? Lord, what's, what's your purpose in this? How do you want me to direct these people toward you? What do you have for them? What do you see in them? And you'll be, you'll be amazed when you, start looking at, when you start looking at your kids for the potential, not just the potential that you can think of, but the potential that God has revealed to you. You can say, wow, okay, that's awesome. I have no idea how we're gonna get there, but that's awesome. But at least I have, I have a thought now. I have a, a goal I can pull I can, so that when I'm, when I'm directing them and when I'm making those difficult decisions and we're saying no to that movie or we're saying no to those friends or we're saying no to whatever it may be, that it's not just no, but we're actually having these conversations. But the purpose is, honey, look, God's got way better things for you. Like God's got huge dreams for you. And I just, he's just told me just the, the start of it. But I believe that God's got so much more for you. And so, Father, even right now, I pray that, that you would open up our minds to see our kids as the blessings that they are, but also the arrows that they are, the purpose that you have for them. Lord, speak to mothers and fathers in this room. Maybe they don't even have kids yet. Speak to speak to future mothers and fathers in this room. Give them a vision. Your word says that people perish for lack of vision. So give them a vision of what you want to do in And through their kids it's not for the world to see it's for them to know for them to treasure up in their heart for them to write it down or may we see our kids through your eyes which is not always like in a rosy way but may we just see them through the potential that they have not in a fake way but in a very real potential this is what God has planned for my children this is what God has planned for the people that I work with this is the great potential that is within the people that that I work with Lord would you give us words for our kids for our co-workers for our spouses Lord why would you put us together me and Roe what's what's up with that what do you have planned for her that's one thing I started praying early on in our marriage Lord what what, like, why, why her? What do you have planned for us? How are you going to use her? What's her calling? I know what mine is. What's her calling? How can I help her fulfill that, Lord? All of this is by your grace. All of this is from your spirit. None of it is self-effort. All of it is the Holy Spirit working inside of us. So we open up ourselves to the work of the Holy Spirit today. In Jesus' name.